Oh, it's been really great just like talking to other Filipino Americans and realizing that like there're just a lot of similar experiences that we had that mm-hmm. I figured were only mine mm-hmm. because my parents are super Filipino but no one else around me had super Filipino parents. Welcome back. It's episode two of Kenya with me, Mel and Camille. We are talking today to a 23-year-old Pulitzer Prize winner. She's actually a recent graduate of Columbia School of Journalism and currently lives in New York, where Camille actually found her. We're talking today about her experiences of growing up Filipino in a very filipino city and then eventually going on to pursue her dreams of being a journalist. Oh yeah, and we recorded this over the summer in New York where it was hot, effing hot. So you might hear the AC in the background, but we still hope you enjoy. And without further ado, this is Marielle Padilla. Okay, we're here today. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, Camille, do you want to introduce this guest today? Yeah, sure. Oh, actually, I I wonder if you want to introduce yourself today and um, explain a little bit about what, who you are, what you do, where you're from, and then we can go from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, So my name is Mariel Padilla, and I just graduated from Columbia University's journalism school, Um, but I'm from Indiana, and I'm a journalist, obviously. (laughs) Uh, So that's what I'm, what I'm doing now. Cool. cool, yeah. cool, cool. How did you two meet? I, how did we, do? we met because I found you on, <laughs> I'm fo- following a, I started following a bunch of like Filipino American, like news things just to like keep up with, I guess, pop culture and mm-hmm. like Phil also, Am's. yeah, Phil Am events, which is like a word that I only learned here, <laughs> Phil Am. I know. I also was not right? really awa- aware of Phil, Phil Can. Am. Thing? No, no. Well, not. It well, I mean, I'm like Phil Can. Suh. Oh, There's a basketball, okay, but yeah, I don't know yeah, what yeah. the suh stands for. That's true. So Phil Kansa is like a, a basketball Filipino basketball team league. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think a league. I think it's a league, yeah, yeah in yeah. based out of Vancouver, and we're cool. realizing, oh, that has Phil Can in it. But yeah, no, I was starting to follow one of those, and then I it was like, meet Marielle, like a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist or something like that. And I was like, what? Who is this? Like, Pulitzer and, Prize. And I think you like slid into my Twitter DMs. I hundred percent slid into. I was like, okay, so if she's a journalist, she has Twitter. I'm gonna like follow her, like. So, because she's gonna like tweet about like smart shit that she's I like, like want to follow. Stalker alert! No. Oh yeah, no, no, no. you gotta like. Maybe it was an email. Yeah. I really don't remember. Well, I and then I ended up asking you for your email because I wanted okay, to be that's what legitimate and professional mm, about yes. it because, you know, Twitter yes. can only get you so far. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's how I reached out to you. So do you want to actually talk a little bit about that work as well? I know. I was going to say you can't you can't drop know, Pulitzer like, Prize. And then. Pul- um, <laughs> yes. OK. So uh, this past year, I won one of the Pulitzers uh, for local reporting and I it was like a full Newsroom effort. It wasn't just Mariel's name on it. Um, but I was in Cincinnati as an intern at the Cincinnati Inquirer. And we did a huge 
a huge like multimedia piece about the opioid epidemic in Cincinnati. Mm. Um, so I helped compile like data from arrest slips. I went to the jail every day and I just tried to get a hold of all the information related to um, opioids. And so it came out and it was, it was, it was beautiful, but it was a big, big effort. Yeah. How, how was, how was doing that, that work? Was it exhaust? I feel like a topic like that would be so like exhausting mentally and emotion. Yeah. Mentally and emotionally taxing. Yeah. How was that? Um, yeah, I don't want to say I got used to it, but so I was the breaking news, like crime intern all summer. Uh, so like first day, like jumped right in, wrote a couple like bylines on crime. And then the second day I saw like my first dead body on, on a scene. Oh my God. So I kind of just like jumped what? right in. And so then this uh, opioid epidemic, like the, the main reporting for it, or for me at least, didn't happen until like the middle-ish endish I think of my internship so by this point I was so like just like in it um but no it was definitely it was definitely just a hard summer um but good because it got me it got me ready for like journalism mm. as a field which I feel like you just kind of have to deal with those those emotions a lot did you always know that you would be going into journalism like tell us a little bit about your journey to get there Yes, so I was an English major in college, and I always thought I was going to end up in books, so like book publishing, that was the Mm. dream. I was going to try to come to New York and do that. Um, But then I think my junior year, at the beginning of my junior year, I took a a journalism class that was, like I'd taken a couple journalism classes already, but this was like an intense local reporting class. And so we were asked to go out into the local community around my really small college um, it was like a farm town. It was like nothing, <laughs> where was this farm town? There, uh, Oxford, Ohio. Oxford, Ohio. Okay. Yes. So it's like a college town, but there are like some locals, but mm. it's like surrounded by corn. <laughs> wow. Um, cannot cannot stress enough. <laughs> corn everywhere. Literally corn. All sides. <laughs> um, and so we went out into the community, and I hadn't talked to any local community members really before this because I was just like in the college and so I wrote stories about like some of the local elementary kids who like were getting hungrier because their parents were like going to jail um, like Mm. drug related Um, I wrote about like increasing homelessness rates and I don't know I was just writing about things that seemed to matter for this community and I could see like actual impact happening Mm. Um, and I think that's when I realized that I could do what I love, which is reading and writing um, and learning um, and help people, which was like the biggest thing that I was trying to find mm-hmm. a way to do. So then, yeah. So then after that class, I was like, maybe this journalism thing is a, is a thing I should look into. So I started looking at grad schools and, um, and the Cincinnati Inquirer gig was before you went to school, right? Yes. Right before. Dang. It was the okay. summer after I graduated from college. Wow. Um, and that only happened because my journalism mentor, she was actually the professor for that um, class that I just talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was like, hey, the Inquirer is looking for a Miami. Um, Miami's the name of my university. I don't okay. know if I said that. <laughs> <laughs> Miami University. I know, that is confusing. Um, I already know, don't know American schools enough, and I'm like, what the hell? A Miami school <laughs> no, in Ohio? No, we get that all the time. <laughs> but side note, so Miami University is named after the actual Native American tribe, the Miamians. 
who like are from the Miami Valley, which is in Ohio. And so it actually makes no sense why the Florida one's called Miami on the record. I'm saying that. So it's actually the opposite here. Miami needs to check themselves. That's what I'm saying. And we even have, we're so bitter about it at the university. She's just like getting We're it. so like bitter. Her but there's literally a t-shirt that you could buy at the school that says Miami University was a university before Florida was a state. Oh, okay. accurate. But like, I wouldn't wear it on a t-shirt. I just tell people. Like no, it's a good part. <laughs> it's like those like those like t-shirts that have a bunch of like shit on like on them that like don't make any like it's like a weird fact, but like that one's actually like <laughs> legitimate. It's like I'm gonna tell you anyways, so maybe you should just read my shirt. Yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, continue. Yeah, I got so distracted. You, Sorry. Um, <laughs> you got the oh, internship yes. before so studying. Was like, yeah, the the Cincinnati Enquirer is looking for a Miami intern you should you should do it and I was kind of like uh I don't know like it's the summer before I'm leaving so I kind of just want to go home and Mm -hmm. see my family and um and my mom was like no do it like you need to practice and see if this is what you want to do before Mm. you head to New York like try Cincinnati and so um both the professor and my mom like really pushed me and I was like okay so I applied and I interviewed and And then look what happens I was lucky enough to get it yeah Wow. What, so you just mentioned your mom was pushing you to do it. You are from a Filipino family and it's so traditional for Filipino parents to want their kids to go into traditional professional paths. Yeah. What about you with something as creative as journalism? Were your parents really into it or did they no. oppose? I mean, they definitely, I wouldn't say they were into it. Um, but I think journalism from English major was like, a step in the right direction for both of them. <laughs> they know, they were, oh my God, Filipinos need the title. That's why. Like yeah. sometimes it's just like a, anyway, it's like a cultural difference too. I think where mm-hmm. they just want to know, like, but what do you, what are you after you study that? Yeah, right. Like, yeah. It's like, but where's the money coming from? Yeah, mm-hmm. like, like what, what is, is the English? profession yes. that's coming out of it? Mm-hmm. So, so in that, that sense, sense, they were not telling me not to do it Mm -hmm. um but when I went into college with an English major I was like English and communications to like appease them and then I also got like a marketing minor to even more appease them so Mm. um but they still only talk about the English major (laughs) uh yeah no they weren't happy about that and they definitely tried to not have me do that Mm -hmm. um but I have two brothers and they're both very stem so so that helped a little (laughs) and they're older (laughs) no i have one older brother and one younger brother okay cool Mm. cool. no i think yeah after a while they just like kind of resign themselves to it i guess yeah and i'm sure now they're kind of like okay she's starting to make her own moves (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) i think somewhere in there there's like but you're so good at math oh my gosh gosh. it is it's so typical though for parents to do that and want to push you into at least filipino parents the culture in that way fact what about the filipino culture while you were growing up and living where you were Mm -hmm. was there a lot of filipino culture around you or did you grow up with very little uh no definitely not um yeah, so because you grew up in Indiana, okay, Columbus, Indiana, okay, okay. Which we, is we're from Vancouver, Canada. We're like no idea, yep. like um, somewhere midwest. Uh, it's like, like do, you, do you guys know where Ohio is? Yes. yes. Okay, it's 
right next to Ohio. Okay, okay. Um, no, so no Filipinos, not not really. I think there were like maybe five to ten Filipino families in my whole town, but wow. like my parents didn't talk to them. <laughs> so it was just us, oh. five of us. Were you born there or were you born in the Philippines? Um, I was, no, I was born in the U.S. All three kids were, um, but I was born in South Carolina. Oh. But I moved to Indiana when I was like two. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't remember it at all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Both of my parents were born in the Philippines though. Mm -hmm. They met at grad school in Ohio. Oh, Oh. they went to grad school here. Cool. Yeah. So they they both went to grad school here. Um, So then all three of my siblings were two siblings were born here oh wow that's so interesting that your parents didn't real or they didn't want to like become a part of the filipino community there because i feel like it's so normal for filipinos to gravitate towards yeah, yeah. especially if there's so few yeah. right you yeah. look really mm-hmm. like i've been saying this that Filipino parents somehow find every Filipino, no matter what city they're in. Like you, Mal, you just Mm. came from that experience, didn't you? Like Uh, in Europe? What do you mean? Oh, oh yeah. Your mom? (laughs) Yeah, no, like it was even just seeing the Filipinos there in certain cities. There were so many different pockets. It was, for me, it was a little bit, um, not upsetting, but it was just like, I'm like, how do I explain this? It doesn't sound negative because it's not negative. Yeah. But let it out. It was it was a little bit irking because it was like, okay, here's all these Filipinos in other countries, but probably 90 percent of them were nannies. Mm. And I was like, here are these strong women working for these other women so that they can go and get their dreams and do their things Mm -hmm. and spend their days being leisurely and stuff like that. And then there are these women of color, specifically Filipinos, who are doing all of the work raising their families Mm -hmm. while they can't raise their own. And Mm -hmm. so it was like seeing that was a little bit upsetting I guess it was a little bit upsetting but there was one I went to Monaco and in the span of four hours that I visited there I started counting because there were so many there were like 24 or 25 Filipino nannies that I where saw. were you just in like Monaco yeah just walking just, like, just walking around what? and I was like and that's oh a summer gosh. too and that's a summer and I'm yeah. like these kids the moms, they're probably they probably have time to be taking care of their families, but they're not. And like I understand why they're there because there's probably a lot of money opportunity. Mm. But it was just like, oh, but what about their families? Mm. You know, it's just obviously the econo- the, the economy in the Philippines. It's a different like story. The o- so OFW economy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it's like, like some uh, crazy statistic. Them like that's our biggest like ex- export or whatever out of the Philippines. Our, uh, your humans. Yeah, our peoples. Exactly. So that was very very interesting. And like my mom, she's a little bit younger. She came to Canada when she was nine, so she's mm-hmm. very Canadianized. But mm-hmm. even still, she would. If we needed something and mm-hmm. we didn't know where to find something, we would just bump into a Filipino person and be like, are you Filipino? She'd start speaking th- to them in Tagalog and then they would tell us where to go or they'd help us out. And it was very much so like, I'll help you because I know where you're from. Yeah. Kind of ordeal. Yeah. So definitely. that was really sweet to see. 
I was like, that's really cute. Like all these yeah, old Filipino people just helping us yeah, out. Which and is like technically what happened yesterday too. What, with what do you mean? In Woodside. Oh what, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were mm-hmm. like, we were shopping before to to do some stuff for Kenya and mm-hmm. we were looking around for a Willis Tambo. Do you know what a Willis Tambo is? Like the uh, sweeper, the broom. Oh yeah, yeah. The mm-hmm. Filipino one. And yeah. then we were looking for that one in the Willis Ting Ting and we knew where to go to grocery shopping, mm-hmm. but we didn't know where to like find this Things. object. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I just like broke out the Tagalog to the, the cashier and I was like, do you know where I can like find a Willis Tumble? And they're like, uh, like she calls to like the other guy working. He's like, hey, we have some, right? And like and they bring like, it out of a the dollar fifty. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. they brought it from the back, and I was like, how much? And they're like a dollar fifty, and I'm like, oh yeah, I'll take one. <laughs> cool. Uh, so. But it, it's like a very helpful, I feel like, community. Yeah, yeah. But were your because your parents? You said they went to school in the U.S. Yeah. So did they have a lot of Filipino culture themselves? Like, did they pass yes. anything on to you? Oh. I mean, I'm sure they did. Like, do you speak Tagalog? Nope. I know, so, me too. So they didn't teach me that. Me too. Forever bitter. <laughs> um, yeah. The story goes that they tried to teach my older brother when he was younger, um, but then he was, like, delayed in speaking, and so all the doctors got worried, and they were like, mm. oh, I think he's confused. I think you've confused him. What? what? Yeah. So, so I'm pissed. <laughs> I'm like, that's not a thing. What? I know. I know. I, well, my younger brother and I have revised the story, and he's just slow. Mm-hmm. He's the slow child, and so he's ruined it for the rest of us. <laughs> um, How did that feel, though, being like now that you're old, getting older and learning more about yourself? Do you feel like there was there's a separation um, in terms of like your identity and your culture now? Do you feel like there's yeah, anything there? Or are you searching for more of a connection with that? Um, yes, I think so. I mean, I so whenever I first came to New York for J school, um, one of our first reporting classes, we we're all assigned um, a neighborhood or, or an ethnicity um, in the city to cover as like our beat. Mm. And so I asked if I could do the Filipinos um, which would have been cheating if I spoke Tagalog because you weren't supposed to do something that you're super familiar with. Oh, yeah. Because um, then it's just not as challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I couldn't speak Tagalog, they were like, yeah, that's fine. And so th- I think that was my way of like running around the city trying to talk to Filipinos and understand mm-hmm. like that's so cool. the culture and what's happening. Um, and so I ran into a lot of activists. And so I learned more about like, like what the young Filipinos are are fighting for, or interested in, mm. um, and then I talked to like older Filipinos here and just trying to see like what their issues are. And then mm. I talked to a lot of uh, people in the entertainment industry about um, their thoughts on representation mm-hmm. and those kinds of things. And I think after all these conversations, I have a better sense of I have a better sense of like the Philippines in America, mm-hmm. um, and so that that helped a lot but I I I mean I think I've always kind of felt like there's just something I don't know and -hmm. like something that's kind of missing Mm -hmm. yeah and you never had a Filipino community of your own growing up no so it's almost like I didn't actually feel like I was missing anything growing up because Mm -hmm. I didn't know it wasn't until I got older that I was like wait (laughs) 
Like, what is this whole thing I've been missing? Yeah. 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 Especially after I got to New York, because every Filipino I meet now is like from California. Mm -hmm. And they're like, it's just like, (laughs) and their community there is thriving. Yeah, Yeah. it's thriving. And they just, they have like, the best of both worlds it seems mm-hmm. like um and that's when i was like her roommate, her roommate is actually from california too i know he's like keeps really? coming up on on this <laughs> podcast but yeah no it it's it's how it's part of why we wanted to do this because we knew that there were other stories mm-hmm. that weren't specific to the filipino american experience from california mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah right like growing up in indiana people, and like that's drastically different yeah from people california. who didn't yes, have that huge filipino community yeah. for themselves no that's that's yeah. yeah yeah um i have a question though to follow up on on the beat that you were on yes. and i think that's so interesting that you got to that opportunity to like yeah speak to so many different people and i wonder mm-hmm. if there's just like a couple of key lessons or like i guess like summaries of like you know in general this is kind of like what i learned and what or where it's at and that would be interesting to share with with us and with everyone yeah um well there are two things that like still stick out to me that i've been thinking about a lot and one is like this activist movement that i've been following pretty closely here um it's like part of a larger movement that stems from the Philippines, but all of the young people who are like leading the charge here in the city were born here. And mm. so I think it's really interesting, but they're fighting for the rights of like the Philippines and they're saying like U.S. involvement is too much and they don't like OFW, mm. like the reliance on that. And they think that the U.S. Is, or the Philippines resources is being drained. So they're very like, like U.S. back off kind of thing, which is so interesting to me because almost all of the young activists I talked to were born here. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that there is a sense of all of us, like, or at least I was getting a sense from the activists that they were not angry, but kind of angry that they felt like they were robbed of their country by being here Mm. because they felt like their parents or grandparents were forced here for more opportunity. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so then they were separated from like their culture and their country by growing up here, which is interesting because I don't think that their parents would feel the same way. Yeah. Mm. Cuz a lot of our parents are like we're so grateful that we made it to like yeah. get here. But then there's this like weird resentment from the kids. I don't know, it's really fascinating to me. That mm-hmm. is really interesting because this actually came up maybe it was yesterday. But um, I was talking to somebody and we were talking about sort of the experiences of both the older generation and the newer generations and Mm -hmm. how we have so much that we're searching for and that we want to be activists towards and we want to fight for when, but then when we talk to our parents or to older Filipinos about it, like their biggest stresses were just coming and surviving in a different country. They don't, they don't really have that fire, that drive to advocate for what is going on in their old country. They were kind of like, no, we needed to get here. We needed to make money. We needed to survive in a country that was new to us Mm -hmm. so that we can let our kids thrive. But it's like this difference in just situation that changes your mindset. Yeah, Yeah, it was really interesting. And I'm like, yeah, because when I asked my mom, or she sees what I'm going through and what I'm trying to discover about myself and learn about the Filipino culture. And sometimes I'm like, don't you want to know this though? Because she grew up, primarily in Canada because she came, mm, she came right. there when she, she was, was 10, a 9 or yeah. 10. And so 
I'm like, don't you feel separated from it? Like, don't you want to learn more? And she's like, well, like I learned what I did through because she has a huge family. She's Mm. a one of 15. So she has a huge family. And she's like, I learned from my family. And she's like, but I also had to be here. We had no money. I had to work. I had you when I was young. Like Mm. I had other things to worry about. And I had life to live instead of worrying about like my culture and stuff like that. And I found that really interesting because I'm like, okay, does that make me incredibly privileged then to be able to have these complaints? It's like very interesting. But it's also like that, like we wouldn't be where we are. And like, this is our kind of like responsibility almost because that we wouldn't be able to ask these questions Mm -hmm. and like start to probe at like actually fighting for what's right and shit like that if they didn't take that first step of moving to Canada and like really... Mm -hmm creating those doors for us right whether it was you're doing it through school whether you're doing it through the work that you're doing or the connections or your personality whatever that looks like like I've had a similar conversation where it's that generational thing and I I wonder if there's like a certain extent to that of like the leaving behind like a a shitty situation too and and the dynamic that that creates yeah um where you feel lucky to have escaped. Right? And yeah. then, like, it's kind of like, why would I want to go back to that place mm-hmm. where I had zero money? I know our house is falling apart. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I know that from my mom mm-hmm. and how, like, she's a classic case of, or, like, as many Filipino parents are, like, sending money back to the Philippines to support everyone else. Mm-hmm. And, goes, yeah. yeah, and then, like, slowly over the past, I guess, like, 25 years, she's moved our family all out mm-hmm. of the neighborhood that she, like, the village that they all grew up in. I think there's a few of them that still, like, a few of her siblings that still have, like, a house there that they kind of go back to. But even, like, schooling-wise, they, like, moved to better parts of the Philippines because they're like oh in the city there's this perception that like the school oh, I mean I don't know this like but the natural perception of the school is better in the bigger city because mm-hmm. there's more resources and money right. and like da 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 um, and yeah no it's 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 weird it's it's yeah. a weird yeah it's hard to but it's cool that you've been able to like, have that experience and talk to all those people yeah that's why because, I'm like jealous yeah I know I'm like <laughs> I'm like can we talk to, to them too <laughs> yes definitely yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to shift our combo a little bit and talk a little bit about um sort of any insecurities or anything like that that came from being Filipino in such uh, I'm guessing primarily white neighborhood growing yeah. up in. Yeah, definitely. Um, and if there was anything there that about being Filipino that made you incredibly insecure or things about, you know, your looks or your your culture at home and stuff like that, that made you not resent being Filipino, but just not like it 100 percent. That's an interesting question. Um, I always tell people that I didn't even realize that I I mean, I probably did, but I like distinctly remember in, I think it was third grade, maybe first grade, um, just like looking in the mirror at school and like forgetting that I wasn't white, like all the time. Mm. So like, I don't even think I realized, really realized that I was like very different um, until, yeah, like early, early school. Mm -hmm. So that's weird. Um, and so it definitely wasn't a thing I thought about actively. 
Um, and my parents both spoke Tagalog to each other in the household. So my siblings and I were very used to like hearing a language and like just like letting my parents talk. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when my friends would come over and my parents would start talking, they would be like, whoa, what are they speaking? Like, what mm-hmm. is happening? And I was like, oh, that's not normal for you guys. Like, you can always understand your parents. <laughs> <laughs> like, <'cause laughs> oh, my, my gosh. Parents just had a secret language, but say. they would just, like, talk about us in front of us. Yeah. But I thought that was normal. I was like, yeah, because they're the parents, we're the kids. Like, they mm-hmm. need to talk about us. Um, so it's, like, little things like that that was, like, very different. Um, mm-hmm. My, like, look stuff. I guess I didn't actively think of this until like now Mm -hmm. reflecting back on life, but I think I've like always just assumed like, I don't know. Everyone was white except for me. So I just assumed like, Oh, so I'm not partaking in like certain aspects of social situations. Mm. Like, um, it's hard to explain. Like, Like, I do have, like I do have to just touch on that. Like I do have uh, friends in, Vancouver who Mm -hmm. didn't realize that they were a woman of color until somebody Mm. pointed it out to them because in Vancouver there is such a a dominant Asian community and so Mm. there are a lot of Asians there and so it is you don't necessarily feel out of place and so we were having this discussion and we were talking about you know, like being a woman of color and what the experiences are like Mm -hmm. going through that stuff. And one of my friends, actually a couple of them were like, yeah, like I didn't even realize I was a woman of color until somebody told me that I was. Mm -hmm. And so it was the whole idea of just actually feeling so normal where they were, but then not realizing that there were small ways that they were self-oppressing or like microaggressions against them that you don't know until somebody points them out to you. Yeah. 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 In middle school, one of my good guy friends, um, his like nickname for me started to be Bla- the Blasian, which is like the Black Asian, and like I didn't think that was. I was like, yeah, okay, like that's the thing that makes me different. And then like in high school, <laughs> I have a T-shirt. There was like an annual trike race, um, so everyone can form teams and like do this race in front of the whole school as like a pep rally kind of thing. And we got T-shirts for it. And my nickname on my shirt was the Asian. Oh my! And like that didn't gosh. feel weird to me at all at but that now, time. At the time, and now I was like, I just saw a picture of it. It was like my freshman or sophomore year. I saw a picture oh, of it so on it's Facebook. This time of the year, it yeah. popped up, and I was like, "What?" You're like, "Okay, like, that is actually incredibly racist." <laughs> yeah, but so wasn't at the time. I was like, it was like seven blondes and then the Asian, mm. but they all had like their own nicknames. But I was like, I can't believe I was cool wearing that shirt. And yeah, it, it, it didn't just feel so, like anything. Yeah, different. like that was my yeah. identifier because mm. I was like the only one. Yeah, um, that's wild. How do so you feel now becoming more involved with people who are from your culture? Like, how does that feel now? Yeah, kind of learning no, it feels more great. It. Yeah. yeah, feels great. Um, like I'm living with a Filipina now that I met less than a year ago. And um, I obviously know more now that I've mm-hmm. talked to a lot of them <laughs> in the city. But no, it's been really great just like talking to other Filipino Americans um, and realizing that. Like there are just a lot of similar experiences that we had that mm-hmm. I figured were only mine mm-hmm. because my parents are super Filipino, but no one else around me had super Filipino parents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I think that's what's really special about even what we're doing. And even like today when we were shooting a bunch of old <laughs> Filipino like childhood snacks or even Fuck, current snacks. I love but that. But what was so amazing is that there's this unconscious or like just inherent connection yeah. because you have those similar experiences. Yeah. And you're like, you just know. You'll We show whatever like the the different snacks that we had the oh, chippy yeah. or like yeah the amount of people are really like oh my god is that boy bawang yeah like, like what is snack that like, like that and people yeah. just know they're like ha 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 like and i had that every their, day mm-hmm. when i was younger but yeah mm-hmm. and their own relationship to that like yeah. where it's like oh whether it's your mom buying it for you every sunday after church because mm-hmm. like that was me with nagaraya nuts the adobo mm-hmm. thing like after church we would go to because we went to a predominantly filipino <laughs> church and there was a sorry sorry store like right there like mm-hmm. so then we would always park the car and mm-hmm. we would all flock there and i could pick whatever snacks i would want mm-hmm. and then and that was just like the memory you'd had so yeah and i hadn't had that for like so long mm-hmm. and we were had it twice in one weekend now. <laughs> we went to a thing last night and somebody pulled out the same nuts oh, or cracker fuck. nuts it's and then we're like oh my gosh like, like somebody just has it regularly yeah. like shit no but it is it's pretty amazing that there is that connection and that bond and i think well for us anyway we really want to advocate for the culture and just talk about people's different experiences and stuff like that is is being Filipino and like that part of yourself is that something that you're also trying to advocate more for now with what it is that your work is yeah do you find yourself more vocal that because I've heard I don't know like just through the work and what you're interested in it just comes out sometimes in Mm -hmm. different ways and I wonder if that's happening for you oh uh yeah whenever I was writing about the community I think the act of reporting was kind of just like it, it like I don't know because journalism and advocacy are like mm-hmm. very they like walk together but they're not supposed to be the same yeah. so <laughs> it's hard to talk about but I think just the act of me covering the community um, was like a form of me telling stories about Filipinos in a way mm-hmm. that I felt like I was speaking out for like on behalf of the community but not necessarily like advocating for filipinos you yeah, know right yeah yeah it's like a fine line but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but yeah no i wrote a lot of stories about filipinos that i felt like weren't really being talked about mm-hmm. so that's cool like especially with all the immigration stuff that happened i did a lot of like daca but related to filipinos and mm. like detention ice detention centers but related to filipinos so right it's just like stuff like that it's your way your own little way of integrating right. your culture just like into talking what you're about doing. Them. Yeah. 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 That's really but cool. But even though. that though, like I haven't really heard any stories specifically to I, either of those things mm. because right. they were all dominated by other, other, I guess, issues. But mm-hmm. yeah. 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 No. And that's why, I mean, it's important even if it's not all of your work, but at least some, some part of you is pushing for that mm-hmm. because, yeah. like it's Absolutely. really cool to see those stories and to read them because a lot of people don't know about them yeah and to mm-hmm. just know that there's a filipino in journalism <laughs> and you know doing her thing and doing it Fuck, well so cool <laughs> no, for real yeah because did you know any filipinos who were journalists before beforehand yeah, yeah. like who, who do you look up to also 
Um, I didn't beforehand, but I also didn't know many journalists because mm-hmm. I wasn't. You're like, I was a baby still. I was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading books, so I was not doing anything. But um, no, now I look up to, I'm working with the dean of the school at Columbia is actually like famous Filipino journalist, mm. uh, Sheila Coronel. Um, so she's like, I didn't know she was famous, which is really embarrassing. <laughs> like, I know Filipinos. I, I met a couple of Filipinas at the school now. And they were like, yeah, I came here because Sheila's here. And like, wow. wow. Like, she, like, founded one of the investigating, um, like, organizations in Southeast Asia. And, like, she was reporting on, like, Marcos and, like, Estrada. What? So, like, she's, like, big deal. But I didn't know. And so oh I, remember, I remember walking to her, into her office and I asked, like, it was, I was asking like a question about the program. Like I didn't even know. And then halfway through our conversation, I think she was like, are you Filipina? And I was like, oh yeah. Like, are you? <laughs> <laughs> I was like thinking right now, like she was dean, probably like potential your new dean. <laughs> <laughs> she was probably like, you don't know who I am. Like, I'm sorry. But it was Indiana. probably endearing. She's probably like, oh cool. Oh, she I doesn't. Am. Yeah. 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 So that that's very embarrassing for me. But so she's really famous. And so I really look up to her um, for many reasons. But there's actually so after I won the Pulitzer with all the hype, um, lots of Filipino like organizations are reaching out to me for interviews and stuff. And Mm -hmm. I learned that I think there are five, maybe six other uh, Filipino Pulitzer winners. Wow. And I met. (laughs) <laughs> I met one at the luncheon. The <laughs> I met one at the luncheon because um, he just won uh, for Reuters this year. And oh. it was related to the drug war. Wow. So he's like there. So I met him and I was like, oh, I love you like that. Yeah. Um, and then he actually ended up posting something on Facebook about his Pulitzer, tagged me in it. So like I freaked out. And then someone who commented was another Filipino Pulitzer winner. Uh, oh, I'm gonna forget his name. Some something Vargas, Jose. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but he got um the Pulitzer I think at the Washington Post a couple years ago. And so then I think there are like a couple others, but it's like very few. How do you feel about that sort of support that you're getting from the community? Yeah, like did you a classic Filipino? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I expected it, but I'm also like not surprised at all. I think it yeah. just took like one article to reach the Philippines mm. and then just like explosion. Like yeah. I just went home less went, yeah. a month ago for well, it was for my gra- my grandpa's funeral, but but I went home and um just so many people were like oh are you Mariel like can I get a picture can can I do an interview like literally had to talk to like a radio person at the wake of my grandfather and just people like the caterers were like can we get pictures and stuff and it was that was bizarre yeah I was like yeah of course so they knew of you even while you were just like there I think it's because my uncle and my aunts are like this is Mariel, my niece, who is also the youngest Pulitzer. Like, <laughs> I was it's like, if anyone like, mentions this in a eulogy, we're done. Like, no one, no one do that. You're like, please, no, this isn't about me. <laughs> I know. My Lola was like, oh, but I want to talk about like you and the grandkids at the end, and I was like, Lola, no, Lola, don't do it. <laughs> like, make this about Lola, You're like, please. This is not my time to yeah. shine right now. Aww. That's really cute, though, so because proud. it 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 is such a Filipino thing, and I think it's. Which is 
why I think a lot of us need to be so vocal about our community and what's going on within it For because real. there is already that support and if we can showcase people doing different types of things yeah it would be so important for the younger kids because we talk about that too it's like you didn't know many journalists who were mm-hmm. Filipino that's why I was so excited growing up yeah <laughs> I was like oh my gosh she's yeah. a writer she does this for a living she wants to do this but imagine <laughs> if you did see a bunch when you were younger and you were like oh I could be that yeah or I could do that too yeah like I think that that's just so important so I hope there's some young kid who Filipino kid who's a writer and is like oh Marielle <laughs> she won a Pulitzer it's possible yeah, at a very young age yeah at a very you're how old are you I'm 23 wow. you're, oh my gosh you're so young well I mean not we're not that much older but like <laughs> <laughs> what do you hope to do more of with your work? Like what? So you just finished school. Yeah. And what are you do- going to be doing now? Just writing, working? Yeah. Uh, so right now I'm working with Sheila. And it was like a six month fellowship um, related to the Filipino drug war. So mm. keeping it keeping it Filipino. Um, but after that, I don't know. I'm still looking um, for my next opportunity but I really want to keep doing like deep dive investigative um like data driven projects that work on like exposing wrongdoing and like helping people um yeah so I'm really interested in like the long the long-term investigation type Mm. type things is there any advice that you would give to young people who want to get into the same work as you get into journalism yeah um I think the biggest thing is just experience so like I would encourage everyone who's interested in journalism to start local like wherever they're at um because local news like needs help anyways and so Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone would turn you away and just having the clips and the experience is probably like the most invaluable thing Mm -hmm. yeah definitely and what about for people wanting to flourish and find more <laughs> Filipino community people. <laughs> Is there anything that you would say to them? Yeah, I think just reaching out and talking to people. Um, I think something that has really hit me after this J school thing is a lot of times people and things seem so unreachable, especially from Indiana. Um, I was like, Oh, I could never like, call up this person and ask a question or oh I'll never like make it to New York I don't know like but once you're a journalist you're just it's your job to reach out to everyone so th- it starts to become routine like, people start feeling less unattainable like if if I wanted to reach out to this organization or that group just have to like bite the bullet and like make the call you know mm-hmm. um, and so I think a lot of times people are scared to reach out because they think they're like not worthy or oh that person's probably too busy Mm. or um but I think yeah if you like respect someone or are inspired by someone like you should just reach out Mm. I like that because I feel the same way (laughs) but it's so it's so true it's so true true. I'm like grinning on the side (laughs) it's so wholesome and shit It's it's, so true. It's absolutely true. And it's like that fear of just reaching out to that person is always what stops you. But then you do. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's chill. Let's get together. Yeah. 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 Like, thank you so much. Like, you know my stuff. And you'd be surprised at how many people don't reach out. You Sometimes you think that that person's being heavily bombarded. Mm -hmm. But sometimes they're not. And it's a pleasant surprise if somebody's 
there totally. asking for their advice mm-hmm. or just for their insight. So totally. yeah. And just to even hear that like other people have the same thoughts and insecurities about reaching out. Like mm. it just shows that like we're all kind of in the same boat. Yeah. When it comes to that stuff. Definitely. Like, I feel like you kind of like touched on this a little bit of that, like le- more or less Filipino and like that's, sometimes what inhibits you to maybe oh, reach yeah. out as well like mm. not I, being able to speak Tagalog is like a killer yeah. Yeah. What, what, if they, what if they say something to me and I'm like like hey. actually like, don't yeah. know yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. it's hard yeah, there's definite weird shame in that mm. mm-hmm. I feel well, that one well too. for a lot for a lot of people like that's how they connect through language uh, like to connect to their cultures through language and mm-hmm. that's I mean, that's a whole topic in itself, like Tagalog and the Filipino diaspora Um, and how everyone has a different story as to like why they did or didn't learn it. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate that I feel like you hear more often than not, you hear the story of like, oh, my parents didn't teach me because they didn't want me to get bullied or like they didn't Mm -hmm. want me to outcast it or like be treated differently or Mm -hmm. like they were like no you should be american like we're not da 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 like mm. it's so sad well i think i've talked maybe not on here but i've talked about how i feel like i made a a conscious effort as i was growing up to be more articulate out of fear of sounding dumb or like less than because I'm like I already have to prove myself being somebody different mm-hmm. and a person of color mm-hmm. and then i see how people are treated when they are you know, like FOBs or like when they don't speak very good English and they're treated as less intelligent, even though it could just be a language barrier. Yep. And so observing that and seeing that from other people, I was like, hey, I need to make sure that I sound intelligent and that I'm articulate. I'm using advanced vocabulary or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And so obviously I didn't realize that until much later. It was very subconscious at first, but then now I'm realizing that it's a very conscious effort. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what the fuck though? Like I could talk however I want. And Mm -hmm. you know, the way that somebody does speak or whatever discourse that they do use is an indication of how intelligent they are or their worth yeah. or their yeah. value yeah, yeah i'm yeah. like i'm still gonna drop shit and fuck and like swear occasionally <laughs> and sometimes not sound very smart but that doesn't mean that i'm any less intelligent yeah mm-hmm. absolutely <laughs> yeah but it's very interesting what's interesting yeah because there i've met some people now in the philippines in the philippines who are trying not to whose parents aren't letting them learn Tagalog because they want to see more American in the Philippines. In the Philippines. And I was like, that's so I've heard that story before too. Yeah. Yeah, I met more when I went back yeah. this last time. And it just like makes you so mad because like you have the opportunity to be bilingual but you're not. And then also like you can't read signs on the street or like talk to I don't know. Just Yeah. Yeah, language is crazy because then you you also get the other thing where I feel like in spaces like Colombia where there's so many international students, mm-hmm. like if you think about it, like there's a lot of there's the flip side of that, and and it's all perspective. Where when you're bilingual, you're actually like you can be perceived as more intelligent almost because totally. you can maybe English isn't your first language, but mm-hmm. like you're actually incredibly intelligent and the fact that you can even speak like pretty high level 
Right. English is not perfect, but the fact that you can still kind of keep up. You can write a... I could not write a paper in Tagalog. No. What the hell? Like, <laughs> oh, my no. God. I don't even know how to I spell wish half, I could. half no. of things, right? Like, no, no, yeah. and, and for somebody to be able to do that, like, flip-wise, like, mm. like first language Tagalog and then write an mm-hmm. academic paper in English? Mm-hmm. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, it's too bad. I mean, maybe one day we'll be like, <laughs> we'll write something out in Tagalog. Why don't we ask her some of these funny questions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Let's Camille, go. Fire um, them all. Wait, what? We're so, going to ask a few, uh, a few funny, funny questions. questions. So, oh, like, okay. you're you're talking about how your parents are super Filipino. So, yes. obviously, you grew up with a, probably a few stories of, like, and experiences with different things. Okay. Um, did, did you guys have, like, family parties with in general like because if you're like a small tight family like did you go have like family friends because that's that's what my family oh. does like we don't have like blood family like filipinos i guess that we hang out with but we do family friends so we can still get the family party thing sometimes um, sometimes yeah. okay did you do you have a go-to karaoke song Yes. <laughs> we don't, we don't the need automatic. You like, don't need a family party for this. Family parties. No, I'll come home and like my dad is just alone in the living room karaoke. I'm like, cool, oh let's do God. this. So Does it's just like two of us. Do this? We do not need parties to oh karaoke. But um, yeah, for sure. Anything Celine Dion, Whitney Houston. Mm. Um, those are like my two. Like go to solid though. Those mm-hmm. are like solid. Yeah, I, you always you gotta start, have that Whitney. Yeah, always, yes. always. Um, I don't think she realized that her number one fan group was the Filipinos. <laughs> oh my god, there was that one girl on American Idol. Yeah, uh, Jessica. Yeah, um, Domingo. Sung? Oh, Santos. No. Santos. Is it Sa- Santos? Is it Santos? Uh, Santos or Sanchez? Starts oh, Sanchez. No, it's Sanchez. Sanchez. Okay. Sanchez. Yeah, and she Shout out. like wow. Did Thank you. Every Filipino <laughs> last name. I'm like, oops. She like did the Whitney ballads like every oh, day. So good at it. Yeah, she yeah. was killing it. Oh, yes. Uh, so definitely not. Definitely the Whitney. Do your parents have like their signature Filipino dish when when you go you pull up to the family function? Like um, what Filipino dish? Are they known for? I think my dad makes pancit and uh, adobo a lot. Nice, nice. Is that what's your favorite Filipino food? Would you say? Oh, that's so hard. Uh, I don't know. It's hard. We've actually, eaten a lot this weekend, and I'm like, oh, it's just so good. I'm a breakfast. I'm, I'm a Filipino breakfast person. Now? I think so. Every time I come home, I'm like, please make me champarado and longanisa. Oh my yeah, god. So <gasps> okay, wait, wait. That is Do what I want. Oh, I'm like, my mind is blown like, right oh, now. How I have we not eaten that I haven't yet. thought about chomperado in so long. <laughs> oh, so good. Like, chocolate so rice. So good. For thought. breakfast. For they, breakfast. They let you do that. They yeah. do. Oh, my God. And that, okay, wait. How did you guys make yours? I put, I think we used Milo for the chocolate. I don't know. My we aunt did, like, always cocoa made Cocoa powder. Which is like Milo. Mm-hmm. I think it was like Hershey's though. Oh, okay. But yeah. Oh, you just like, okay, okay. Straight up chocolate. Mm. Wow. So that's some good. Nice, rich I told stuff. Good throwback. Oh my God. <laughs> that was my favorite like breakfast. Like yes. whenever my parents would let. I feel like that's the Filipino kids equivalent of Nutella. Like, you know how like yeah. kids love mm. Nutella and their parents actually let them eat it yeah. on toast for breakfast, mm-hmm. which is what my parents eventually allowed us to do. <laughs> Um, I feel like it's because of Champarado. It like paves oh, the way. Yes. It paves yes, the way for yes. us. Oh yeah. Oh my God, that's so hilarious. good. That's oh. that's mine. Wait, we Did have you to find a joint that does I that know. or like make it. Oh, the instant pot. That could in- instantly plus cocoa powder. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> 
sorry. We're like, okay, my- tonight, that's dinner. <laughs> like, we are We know what we're doing later. Making anything else. Uh, um, sorry, I'm just really excited for the instant pot. <laughs> um, another question. Okay. Do you guys have a tabo in your house? Of course. What? <laughs> Describe There's your one in to here. Me. I freaked oh out. Sorry, yeah, I didn't mean to this roommate had one. My mom walked in and she was like, "This girl's so Filipina. I love this." And I was like, "Yes!" And it's like a legit one. Like wow. The bucket okay, with the mm. describe this one and then describe the one in your family's house. Okay. Uh, this one is like plastic bucket that like, and it's blue. Okay. Um, with like a long handle. I feel like that's the one I think of now, and I'm like, that's a legit one. I yeah. don't know what's yeah. real. Uh. <laughs> Um, I don't, I think we started. Oh, you didn't have it all your life? No, no, we did, but it changes forms a lot. Like when we're traveling, it's a water bottle, but (laughs) which is travel version. Weird. I feel like I've always had like a little, it's like a little pitcher. Mm -hmm. Plastic, but not like a nice pitcher, like something that you would imagine like iced tea or something being. Nope. That sounds nice. I mean, not like nice. those dollar store ones. Yes, like those plastic yes. ones, like, like the ones that like fifty cents. Re- yeah, and it's like it only holds like two cups of water. Sometimes yes. there's like yeah, rubbed off measurements on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you got a really nice one, yes. mine was just like plain. You can't tell. <laughs> but that's nice because it has a handle in a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if that's more ergonomic. But then the hand, like the long handle, is probably like good for reaching back yeah, there. You know what I mean? It's like good you for reach. <laughs> yeah, you gotta get the angle because I feel like the water bottle was so hard. Yeah, I avoided that. I don't know. <laughs> My parents just like need it, and I just—it's optional. <laughs> hilarious. Uh, what was another one? Oh, do your do you any of your relatives have uh, funny? Your uncles or aunts have funny nicknames or nicknames or oh names? Oh, do you have one? Yes. yes. Oh, yes. My dad is the worst at nicknames. Um, but it's funny—we all have different different nicknames for each other. We're a nickname family. Mm. Um, but my nickname is Darky Pouty. Because <laughs> because it literally says that in his phone, too. It's like, oh, Darky Pouty's calling me. And I'm like, Dad, what if you were in public? <laughs> but um, I guess when I was a little kid, I was sensitive. Still am. But I pouted a lot. And so instead of, you know, comforting me, like nice parents, my dad would just, like, pretend to dodge the lips coming off my face. He's like, oh, you're pouting so much. Like, I have to, like, dodge your lips. And so he called me Darky Pouty. Oh, it was also really dark. So, but then my older brother is a little, a little on the heavier side. And so his nickname was, is Biggie Boy. Oh my oh. God. Everyone's <laughs> a boy. There's always a These boy. These are the terrible there. names. And then my little brother used to like to draw, I guess. So his name is Doodlinger. <laughs> it makes no sense. But but oh that's what my dad calls us. That's Those are cute. Those are cute. They actually sound like cute nicknames. Sometimes yeah. they can sound just really It Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> they also call me May May, but that's like a normal everyone in the family calls me May. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the the doubling of yes. the May May. Are you Mal Mal? No. no. They just ne- call you Mal. Well, I don't know. It, it Nisa came oh, out yeah, of yeah, Melissa. Yeah. Everyone yeah. calls me Nice. I don't know. It's really weird. See, that makes sense. My aunts don't make sense at all. One of them's name is Aurora. Her nickname is Lulai. Oh, yeah. That's pretty standard. Yeah, I'm like, that's the, <laughs> that's the nicknames we're looking for no, here. It's standard, it that, no it's standard that they don't make any sense. Yeah. Lulai. You're that's like, why this doesn't stem. Like, <laughs> yeah. what, does, what is the origin of this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, got, we got Ding Dong. What? Got, you actually have a, isn't that the, that's another Filipino snack. 
that we didn't have to get. <laughs> is it? A ding dong? Oh, ding yeah, dongs. no, it is. Yeah. yeah. Well, with the like little peas, the green peas, oh, the cracker nut, like yeah, with the yeah, cornic yeah. as well. Yeah, it's like Actually, that trail a- mix or something. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> we just More made ideas. the most bomb Filipino trail mix today. Really? Yeah. I had chicharron. Love. Yeah. It had uh, what those cracker nuts. Yeah. It had um, boy bawang, the mm. corn mix. Yes. Yeah. It had. Uh, mango. Dried mango. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> and uh, what else was in there? The oh, puk the one. The pukwan seeds. The, yeah. the watermelon, watermelon seeds. seeds. Uh, I think that was it. I feel like it there was, was one so more, good. but it was so good. Yeah. The we're just was we're releasing the, the product soon. <laughs> yeah. Launch party <laughs> October. <laughs> no. I need it. That yeah. sounds great. No, and like this ugh. this episode is sponsored by. <laughs> you have to come Ding up with a name part first. Two. I know. We I have know, to come I'm up like, with a name. Ding dong part two. Ding dong part two. <laughs> dong ding. That's a really uh, bad joke. A better ding dong. <laughs> okay, well we covered everything then. Thank you for chatting with us. Of course, spending yeah, time with so us. Much. Thanks for coming to about, my home. Yes, thank you for inviting us into yeah. your home. Anytime, brand new. <laughs> Literally anytime, you guys. <laughs> Thank you so much, Marielle, for chatting with us and spending some time with us. If anybody wants to find her, Google her, Marielle Padilla. And also, we're going to be reposting some of her articles because they are bomb on our website. Um, and then, yeah, if you Google her, you can probably find a bunch of those. And to you, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed. If you have any suggestions, if you want to hear something else, if you want to share something about your own Filipino experience, then please reach out to us, DM us, email us, whatever you want. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Bye.